seem a bit nervous, uh, pale and distraught. Perhaps a story would help calm your nerves. Yes, a delightful little story about a dead man who acts just as if he were alive. I know you like it. I call it, He Woke Up Dead. My story, He Woke Up Dead, begins with two men pacing back and forth at the top of a high cliff overlooking the Pacific. They are John Raymond and his brother Gregory, a gaunt man in whose eyes gleams a fanatical fire. Gregory, the answer is no. You're asking for $100,000 from the Raymond Foundation to spend on fake yogis and swamis trying to get in touch with the dead. Well, you're not getting it. But John... All my life I've been studying death and what is in the life beyond. And now, with just a little money, I know I can penetrate its mysteries. The Raymond Foundation would be the laughing stock of the world if it went in for such a crackpot idea. So, you think I'm a crackpot? Well, when you die, John, according to Father's will, I'll be head of the Raymond Foundation. Then you'll see, I'll turn the whole foundation into a great research laboratory to study death. That will never be. I intend to have the courts change the will. So you'll never be head of the foundation, Gregory? No. No, you can't. You're blocking a tremendously important piece of work. But I won't let you. So? Just what can you do about it? This, John. I can do this. No, no, they go down! Uncle Gregory, you say father had a dizzy spell and fell from the cliff before you could catch him? Yes, Jack. It happened so fast, I, I could do nothing. But Father never got dizzy. His health was perfect. A groundkeeper says he saw you push Father off the cliff. Jack. That's nonsense. I was trying to catch him, pull him back. Jack, you know Uncle Gregory wouldn't do a thing. I'm not so sure, Susan. Now listen to me, both of you. The coroner said your father died accidentally, and that closes the matter. Not with me, it doesn't. No? Well, I'm now head of the Raymond Foundation. And I'm going to pour all the resources of the Foundation into an effort to contact the dead. Why, that's insane! The foundation scientists are on the verge of a cure for cancer, for tuberculosis. You can't stop their work now. I can, and I will. Oh, no, you won't. It'll stop you somehow. Because you did murder Dad. You killed him to get control of the foundation for your crazy schemes. Get out. Get out, both of you. Get out before Jack, I... Jack, get out! <laughs> Jack, he tripped on the rug. His head hit against the fireplace. Wait. See how badly he's hurt. Jack. What is it? Is he... He yes, Susan. All his life, Uncle Gregory's been trying to find out what happened when you die. Now, now he's going to find out. Uh, Dr. Weird, before you give us the second half of tonight's tale, can you tell me why you're called Doctor? Easy. When people listen to this program, I show them how to avoid such... Uh, 
unhealthy things as being murdered and... Well, somehow, Doctor, I doubt whether that would cure anybody of anything, especially a case of nerves. But I'd like to tell the men in our audience how to cure something that can be cured. It's old hat-itis, being addicted to the same old weather-beaten hat. The only real remedy for old hat-itis is to go out and get yourself a good new hat, or two or three. Now, Adam hats are priced so sensibly, only three forty-five to ten dollars, you'll easily be able to afford more than one. Combining distinctively smart styles with fine quality materials and craftsmanship, Adam hats are a truly outstanding value. You'll find it more than worth your while to discard your old headpiece for a brand new Adam hat, or two, or three. Now, back to. Dr. Weird. And now I'll continue my story, He Woke Up Dead. When Gregory Raymond returned to consciousness, he was alone in a great dim room. The thick, cloying scent of flowers was heavy in the air. Startled, he saw at the other end of the room three coffins resting on trestles. One of the coffins was banked with flowers and tall candles burned at either end of it. Dazed and bewildered, Gregory Raymond strode toward the three coffins. This room, where am I? Stained glass windows? It's like a church. Who's in this coffin with all the flowers on it? Why, I... The body in this coffin is mine. No. No, it's impossible. I'm not dead. I can't be. You mustn't be upset, mister. Most of us feel that way at first. Huh? Yes, we did. But it will pass soon. Who are you? Turning, Gregory Raymond was astounded to see dim figures coming toward him from the shadows. A man and a woman, both very old. They smiled at him sympathetically. I... I'm Joshua Benson. This is my wife, Nellie. These are our bodies in these other two coffins. I, I don't understand. Oh, you will. Look, here in this coffin. Oh. See? It's my body, isn't it? It looks just like you. It is me. The earthly me, I mean. Oh. And now this one is Nelly. You mustn't be so upset. You'll soon be used to the idea. We're... we're really dead? All three of us? Why, of course. You died yesterday morning. You slipped and fell and hit your head. Yes. Yes, I remember. It's taken you until now to... well, to become aware of things again. Death is a great shock, you know. But where am I? What is this place? This is the mortuary chapel at the cemetery. They'll be coming for your body soon to bury it. Joshua and I were killed two nights ago in an auto accident. But they aren't going to bury us until tomorrow. I never dreamed death would be like this. Why, I can still see and hear. I can breathe. My heart still beats. Oh, not really. You're used to those things, so they let you think there hasn't been much change until you've had a chance to get over your shock. They? Who do you mean? Uh, the ones in charge. You'll know more about them soon. 
Uh, Mr. Benedict will be coming for us, and I expect he'll take you along, too. Mr. Benedict? Who's he? The guide. He stopped by last night just to tell us not to worry and to wait for him here. He'll take us on to, well, to the place where we go next. I, I see. Shh, someone's coming. Come, come back here, out of the way. Four men. And Jack and Susan. Oh, they've come to take your body away to bury it. All right, men. Take it easy now. That's it. All lift together. No, no, they can't bury me. I'm not dead. I, I can't be. Jack, Susan, listen to me. It's Gregory, your uncle Gregory. They didn't hear me. Because you're dead. The dead can't communicate with the living. It just isn't possible. But it must be. All my life I've worked to establish such communication. Now, now I have so much to tell the world. The people I've worked with. I must find some way to communicate with them. I must, I must. Are you ready? Feeling better, Mr. Raymond? This is Mr. Benedict. He's come for us. Yes, it is time. We must go. But I can't go. I've got to tell people, the people I work with. I've worked so hard to find the truth, and now, now I... It may not be. There can be no communication. Now, Mr. Benson, Mrs. Benson. Yes, sir. It's time. Oh, yes, Mr. Benedict, we're ready, but Mr. Raymond here is coming with us, isn't he? It is impossible. He is doomed to stay here on Earth. What do you mean? What are you saying? That is your punishment. To remain forever a spirit that moves unseen and unheard among men. It is the punishment of all who murder and die unrepentant and unconfessed. Oh, no. He... He's a murderer? I can't believe it. That is not for me to say. Come. We must be going. No, wait. You've got to take me with you. I, I can't stand it being here, seeing, hearing as if I were alive and not able to make anybody see or hear me. I have to go with you. I have to find out what comes next. It may not be. But you've got to take me. If I confess, if I repent, will that make a difference? It may. I cannot promise. Then I do confess. I killed my brother John. I pushed him off the cliff. I'm sorry now, but it seemed so important then that I just had to do it. You are confessing to your brother's murder? Yes, yes, I killed him. I admit it. Now take me with you. You can't leave me here. You can't. Gregory Raymond, listen to me. You're under arrest for murder. You understand? Under arrest for murder. What? What are you saying? I'm dead. We're all dead. You're not dead. You're very much alive. And you're under arrest. These two people are witnesses to your confession. Now come along with me. No. No, you can't arrest me. Don't you understand? You can't arrest a dead man. And I'm dead. 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 <laughs> was Gregory Raymond dead? Or was he alive? Well, the doctor said he was alive. For you see, when his nephew found that the fall had only knocked Gregory unconscious, a strange scheme came to him. And with the aid of three coffins and three clever wax dummies that looked exactly like corpses, plus several excellent actors, he really made his Uncle Gregory believe he was dead. In fact, uh, Gregory became so convinced of it 
that when they told him he was really alive, he wouldn't believe them. To this day, nothing can convince him he isn't really dead. <laughs> it's probably the strangest punishment a murderer ever had. Though I did know another man who... Oh, you have to go? Perhaps you'll drop in again soon. Just look for the house on the other side of the cemetery. The house of Dr. Weir. Adam Hatch presents... The Strange Dr. Weird. Good evening. Come in, won't you? Why, what's the matter? Surely you're not nervous. Perhaps it will calm you if I tell you a story. It's a rather odd story. About a rather... Odd individual. You see, he was a morgue keeper. I call his story The Man Who Talked With Death. My story, The Man Who Talked With Death, begins in the city morgue on a raw autumn evening. Two men have just entered the badly lighted basement of the gloomy stone building. I would have cold in here or outside. Yeah, where's Pop Hansen? I want to get my pictures. Get out of here. This place gives me the creep. All Pops are on someplace. He probably... Hey, isn't that him? Talk to somebody down there by the ice boxes where they keep the stiffs? Yeah. Why, there's nobody there. Pop's talking to himself. Unless he's talking to a ghost. Come on. There is some place else you go on to, but it's not a place you have to be frightened or believe me. Now it's time for you to go. Goodbye, Jean. Goodbye. Hey, Pop. Oh, hello, boys. I didn't hear you come in. Ah, say, Pop, who are you just talking to? Oh, that was Jean Williams. She came in last night. What do you mean, she came in last night? I mean her body was brought in. Here, I I'll show you. There she is. So young and so pretty. No wonder she was frightened when she found she was dead. You say you were talking to her? Why, yes, Harry. You see, when you die, a part of you goes on to someplace else. But it always stays near its body for a while till it gets used to things. It was that, Jean Williams, I was just talking to, of course. Pop, you've been working down here among these stiffs too long. You mean I just imagine I talk to them and they talk to me? <laughs> no, Tom. It's really true. Someday you'll know I'm telling the truth. Well, maybe. Let's can the chatter. You want to get the picture of John Wainwright. Wainwright? Yes, they brought him in last night. Everybody who dies a violent death comes here for old Pop to talk to him. Yeah, here he is. Okay, Harry, get yourself a couple of pictures and we'll be gone. Well, it won't take a minute. I sure would like to know who killed Wainwright. The killer didn't leave a clue. Why, it was that young Professor Higgins who shot Wainwright, Tom. Higgins? Pride and joy of the City University? How'd you know? Wainwright told me so himself. Wainwright told you? What are you giving me? It's true. You see, he was a blackmailer, and he was blackmailing Higgins' wife. Professor Higgins had to kill him to save her. 
Wainwright told me so just before he left a little while ago. But Wainwright's dead. There's his body right there in the icebox. I know. I explained about that. Oh, you're crazy. But I'm not, Tom. Wainwright even told me that the gun Professor Higgins used is hidden now in the left-hand bottom drawer of the professor's desk in his home out at the university. Okay, Tom, I'm going now. Just a second. Pop, I don't know where you got your tip, but I'm going to look into this. Oh, no. You mustn't. You see, Tom, the things that the dead tell me, they can't be used in any way by the living. It's too dangerous to the living. They just can't be used. Well, this can if it's true. If Higgins killed Wainwright, and I can prove it, boy, what a story it'll make. No, Tom, you mustn't try to prove it. It'll do you no good. Try and stop me. Come on, Harry. Now, thanks very much, Dean. Goodbye. There you are, gentlemen. You've just talked to the Dean himself on the phone, and he's told you I was playing cards at his home at 11 o'clock last night. Does that satisfy you? Yes, Professor Higgins. Wainwright, Wainwright was shot at 11, so the alibi lets you out. Who in the world ever suggested that it was I who shot Mr. Wainwright? <laughs> Nobody in the world, Professor. It was a ghost. Wainwright ghost. I'm afraid I don't understand. Oh, it's just a gag, Professor. Thanks. Come on, Harry. Let's get back to town. Wild Goose Chase. You don't mean you really believe that crazy stuff Pop told us about talking to Wainwright ghost? No, of course not. But I thought maybe Pop knew something and was trying to give us a tip without admitting it. Say, wait a bit. Huh? What is it? Higgins is a smart guy. Maybe that alibi was fake. Oh, now, Tom. Pop said the murder gun was hidden in Higgins' desk. I think we ought to go back and search that desk. Oh, but that's crazy. Hey, Hey, Tom, what are you doing? Just putting on the brakes. I'm going to turn around and go back. Yeah, but the road's all wet here. Hey, Tom, we're skidding. I'll get us out of it. Yeah, there's a hundred-foot drop into the gully there. Stay out. Stay out, Tom. We're going over. Jump, Tom. Dr. Weir. Now I'll continue my story of the man who talked with death. It's a few moments after the crash, and Tom and Harry are picking themselves off the ground on the very edge of the deep gully into which their car has just plunged. Harry! Harry, where are you? Over here. I'm just making sure I'm falling one piece. How about you? I'm all right, I guess. It's a miracle we weren't both killed. Look at the car down there. Folded up like an accordion. Yeah, I got the car door open. I saw we were going over, and must have both been thrown clear, but... Now, what are we going to do? We're going back to the university. And we're going to get into Higgins' office and see if the murder gun is really there in his desk. Uh, Pop was just talking nonsense when he said we'd find it there, Tom. Maybe and maybe not. I don't believe in his little conversations with ghosts, but I do believe he knows something. And if he does, I'm going to crack this case. A short time later, Tom and Harry reached Professor Higgins' residence again and gained entrance to his office unseen through an open window. Okay, here's the desk. Which drawer did Pop say? In the bottom left-hand one. Mm, this is the one, then. And it's open. And there is a gun here. Look! Yeah. Forty-five automatic. And Pop was right. You bet he was. And he was also right when he said Professor Higgins shot Wainwright. 
Higgins faked his alibi. Yeah, I'll get the gun out. No, no, don't touch it. The cops will have to find the gun here on this desk to be convinced it really belongs to Higgins. Yeah, of course. Then let's call him and get him out here. No, no, not yet. We're going back to the morgue and ask Pop a few questions. Back to the morgue? Tom, listen. Do you suppose Wainwright really could have told Pop all this after he was dead? Of course not. That stuff of talking to the stiffs is a lot of malarkey. Pop knows something, and he's hiding it. We're going to find out what he knows and how, and then we're going to break the biggest story this town has ever seen. Slipping away in the darkness, Tom and Harry tried vainly to thumb a ride back to the city. In the end, they had to walk the whole distance. And it was well after midnight when they once more stood outside the cold, gray morgue building. Oh, what a night. We'll walk so far in my life. Why do you suppose those drivers wouldn't stop and give us a lift? I don't know. I guess they're afraid of a stick-up. Well, let's get inside and give Pop the old third degree. Yeah, wish we didn't have to. And I hate to go in there again, Tom. This place upset me. Oh, come on. We're the lucky ones. We can walk out again. Hey, somebody's left the door open. Come on in. Tom. Tom, I'm frightened. I don't want to go in there where they keep the bodies. I just don't want to. Oh, you're acting like a kid. Now, come on. There's Pop over there by the iceboxes. Oh, Pop! Oh, hello, boys. I've been kind of expecting to see you, too. Pop, we want to ask you some questions. Come. You went out to talk to Professor Higgins, didn't you? And I asked him not to. I told you it wouldn't do you any good, not any good at all. Oh, but it did. We found the gun just where you said it to be. Boy, what a story this town's going to read tomorrow morning. Oh, they'll never read it. The Wainwright shooting's never going to be cleared up. It's always going to be a mystery. It has to be that way. <laughs> like fun it does. Pop, how'd you know about Higgins and that gun? Don't you realize yet I was telling you the truth? That Wainwright himself told me after they brought his body here? Tom, I think Pop's telling the truth. Well, you may be crazy, but I'm not. Now, Pop, come clean. I should never have told you, Tom. That caused all your trouble. I'm sorry, Tom. I'm awful sorry, but I warned you not to go, remember? If you hadn't, it would never have happened. What are you talking about? What would never have happened? Huh? I think I know what Pop means. I think I know. Sure you do, Harry. Tom will understand in a minute, too. Look, Tom. Look here. Uh, two bodies badly smashed up. Well, so what? Huh? Don't you know now? It's true. Pop really can talk to the dead. He really can. That's why he can talk to us. Harry, get a hold of yourself. What's the matter with Tom? Those two bodies... They're ours. We're both dead. We were killed when our car crashed into that ravine. Until next time. Oh!